Yo, what is going on, everybody? This is Adam. Welcome back to Fouled Out. Special drop-in episode today. This is coming out Saturday morning, first morning of Super Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. If you want to check out our breakdown of all six of the NFL Wild Card games, that is out, came out on Wednesday this past week. Good episode. Matt and I going through all six of the Wild Card games for Super Wild Card Weekend, picking winners. All that stuff gave some gambling advice out. So uh, this is coming out like around noon on Saturday. So it's not too late to go back and listen to that podcast and get some good picks in there. Since we made the Houston over Cleveland pick, the line has dropped uh, either a point or a point and a half, depending on where you're betting. And the money line for Houston has gone down from plus 120 to plus 110 right now, sitting here on Friday night while I'm recording this. But it's not too late. You can still grab Houston for plus money, and you can still get all of our other great picks from Wednesday's podcast. So a special drop-in episode today, because I'm sure as everyone listening to this podcast knows, my favorite team, the New England Patriots, have parted ways with legendary head coach Bill Belichick, the greatest head coach of all time in the history of all professional sports, not just football, in my very biased opinion. And they have replaced him with internal hire linebacker coach slash co-defensive coordinator Gerard Mayo. Although I've been advocating for Bill to be fired this year, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little melancholy about it actually happening. I was thinking about it today and I realized that I have never seen a different head coach for my favorite professional football team. Uh, I'm 33 I started watching football when I was about 11 or 12 years old, right around the Patriots' first Super Bowl win over the Rams. And we already had Bill Belichick and Tom Brady at that point. So when Brady left to go to the Bucks, we did a special goodbye episode. We're going to talk about Bill a bit today. And then we're also going to talk about the decision by Robert Kraft to promote Gerard Mayo, uh, especially before hiring a GM. We're going to talk about Bill's legacy with the Pats. We're going to talk about Robert Kraft's legacy a little bit, and I'm sure I'm going to find ways to sneak uh, Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback and greatest professional athlete of all time, back into the conversation here as well. So uh, yes, this is your fair warning. This is a Patriot-centric podcast. I'm going to be talking about my favorite team. I'm a little bit melancholy about it, but I'll try to keep the energy high. So uh, let's bring the music in and let's talk pets. Let's go. So Patriots part ways with legendary coach Bill Belichick after 24 seasons. I actually wrote this podcast. I started doing all the work and notes for this podcast on Thursday night after Bill was let go, knowing I wouldn't record until late on Friday. Did not expect to have a coaching hire to talk about as well. So when I started doing the notes for this podcast, I wrote down that my initial reaction is that this is the right move but it's going to be determined by who they hire next. You know, and we can be super reductive and say that if Mayo is a good coach, then this was a good decision. And if Mayo was a bad coach, then this is a bad decision. Time will tell. My reasoning for thinking it was the right time to let Bill go was really twofold. The first reason is that this is 
by far the most important offseason in the history of the New England Patriots, uh, at least since Tom Brady was here and Bill was here and we started the whole dynasty. The team is bad. They just went 4-13, and 13, had the worst season that we've seen since the 90s. They don't have a quarterback. The most important position in football and a lot of the other position groups on the te- on the roster lack talent. And you have the third pick in the draft, the highest draft pick they've had since they took Drew Bledsoe first overall in 1993. Uh, they've had a couple other five, top five picks since then, Willie McGinnis and Richard Seymour. So uh, at least the track history of the Patriots picking high since the 90s is pretty good. But this offseason is going to determine the future of this franchise for the next 5, 10, 15 years. You know, we see a lot of these teams that have high picks and take a quarterback. Uh, if you don't get it right, then you are set back for at least until that quarterback's contract is up. I mean, the Patriots took Mac Jones at 15 three years ago, and the team's gotten worse every year since then. So this is a prime opportunity to get your franchise guy. There's multiple quarterbacks in this draft who I like. But going back to Bill, if we look at Bill's draft history, uh, at least the recent draft history, it's not good. The most damning thing I read about Bill Belichick was that the Patriots have not signed a rookie that they drafted in the top three rounds of the NFL draft to a second contract since Deron Harmon, who they drafted in the third round of 2013. Think about that. Think about how many players that is. That's almost 10 years worth of drafts. You haven't re-signed a single top three round pick except for Deron Harmon, who is no longer on this team. You know, and time will tell this offseason, Kyle Duggar's a free agent. He was drafted in the second round a couple of years ago. Uh, but I can guarantee you that guys like Mac Jones not getting a second contract. And we can talk about all of the draft mistakes that were made. You know, Nikhil Harry was taken in front of Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown when I was pounding the table for A.J. Brown. Sony Michelle was taken in front of Lamar Jackson when I was pounding the table for Lamar Jackson. I mean, maybe I should just throw my hat in and be the next GM, right? You guys agree. We don't have to go through the history of all the guys we've missed out on, but I think if you look at Bill's history in the draft and then think about how important picking at number three overall is right now, to be honest with you guys, I didn't trust Bill to make that pick. And that's a scary thought when this guy's been our GM and our coach for 24 seasons. It's like, we have to decide the future of the franchise this offseason, and I don't trust the guy who's at the helm. So I thought it was the right time to remove him, at least as the GM. Reason two is really kind of ties into reason one. I think that the NFL has passed Bill by in a lot of respects. So I I think Bill is the greatest coach of all time in any team sport, hands down. But he's 72. He's been whiffing on the draft for nine seasons. And he hasn't been able to put together a competent offense with an offensive group uh, since even before Tom Brady left. If you remember back to Tom Brady's last season, that offense was bad and the main reason for it is that they they can't draft and develop weapons. They can't draft and develop quarterbacks. It, it's been a problem forever. So while I think that Bill is still a defensive mastermind, and I think that wherever he goes, 
they're going to be very lucky to have him as a head coach. Uh, but they're going to need strong personnel on the offense in order to get that going because as we see all these teams modernizing their offenses, like Andy Reid has these super modern offenses in Kansas City. You got McDaniel down in Miami. You got Shanahan over in San Francisco. Bill's been unable to do that, uh, and we can't keep up with these other teams. And it showed the last couple seasons. Like even the last season, they were good and went ten and seven. They go to the playoffs and they get absolutely schmeckeldorfed, mollywopped, whatever you want to call it, by the Bills. Like the worst game that we've seen uh, in a Patriots playoff game since like the '84 Super Bowl against the Bears. Coincidentally, a game that my dad was at uh, went horribly for the Pats. So I thought it was time to move on for all those reasons and more. This organization needs to change. It needs to get younger. We need to bring in some new ideas. So I was in favor of the firing, but in my notes, I wrote, you know, it really depends on what we do next. One of my main problems with Bill has always been that he refuses to listen to new ideas. And what I mean by that is for 20 seasons, the Patriots were the best team in professional sports. Greatest dynasty in modern history. They dominated the league for so long, but they had this arrogance about them that just said that we know how to do things better than everybody else. And it showed because they refused to hire new people to come into important coordinating positions. It's just been years and years of McDaniels leaves and fails. He comes back. Patricia leaves and fails. He comes back. Joe Judge and Bill O'Brien and all these guys, they just keep coming back and they keep recycling the same guys. They're afraid to bring in someone from the outside, even though you got to the point where it's like, okay, we don't have an offensive coordinator candidate in-house we can promote. We need someone. What are we going to do? We're going to bring back coaches who have never coached offense before to coach our offense. And the offense was horrible. And so the next season, they're like, oh man, we got to do something. We can't have Matt Patricia and Joe Judge coordinating our offense again. What do we do? We got to bring somebody in. And they refuse to bring anyone in who's not a former Bill Belichick guy and a former Patriot. So they go out and get Bill O'Brien. And yeah, we were excited about that because it's not Matt Patricia and it's not Joe Judge. But guess what? It's another coach who left and failed. And now you want to bring him back because you're afraid to go out to like San Francisco and be like, hey, we're going to take that QB coach and we're going to promote him to being our offensive coordinator because he's doing a great job at his position in another place. And we're afraid to go out to like Baltimore and try to steal one of their guys and bring them in because we think we know what we're doing better than anybody else. It was always my problem with Bill. And now it's my problem with Robert Kraft because he gets rid of Bill, which I'm like, okay, it's hard. I love Bill, but it's time. So we need a GM and we need a head coach. Not even 24 hours later, they're announcing that Gerard Mayo has been hired as the head coach of the New England Patriots. Promoted from linebacker coach slash co-defensive coordinator. We also learned today that it was built into Gerard Mayo's contract that he would be Bill Belichick's successor. So I'm going to tell you guys, I am what I'm calling cautiously pessimistic on the hire. I have some problems with it. There's some things about it I like, but I have some issues. My first problem is, like I said, for years, my problem with Bill has been that you refuse to bring in new guys and bring in new ideas. Now you're doing the same thing, but without Bill. So Bill leaves, you promote somebody internally, 
so what we're trying to keep the same culture. We're trying to kind of keep the same thing going that hasn't been working for years with someone who's worse than bill and has way less experience. Why? It doesn't make sense to me. I, when I did my notes, I was like, man, I want to bring in someone like Mike Vrabel who yes, former Patriot used to coach under bill O'Brien, but like, he's not really a bill Belichick disciple. So, you know, I'm meeting you halfway here, Robert Kraft of bringing in someone you're comfortable with, but also someone who does things differently. And I think that's going to be important for us to see going forward. And like, maybe Mayo will do things differently. Time will tell. I don't love the idea that we might just try to recreate what we had with Bill, but without Bill. Because we've seen from the Bill Belichick coaching tree, and this is problem number two, that doing the Bill thing without Bill does not work. You know, Gerard Mayo is going to be a coach from the Bill Belichick tree. And when you go look at the coaches who have come from the Bill Belichick tree, it is awful. It is maybe the worst tree in the entire history of the league, which is crazy because Bill was such a great coach for such a long time. You would think that he would have developed like one guy who could be successful somewhere else. But you look at it and it's like Eric Mangini, Charlie Weiss, Romeo Cornell, Bill O'Brien, Josh McDaniels, Matt Patricia, Joe Judge. The list goes on. Everybody who's ever left Belichick has failed. And now we're taking a Belichick guy and we're saying, hmm, yeah, I know it didn't work for everybody else, but maybe it'll work for us. Who knows? And I, I, I just don't see it. I don't look at this organization and think that the answers are internal. You know, my, my final problem with it is that we're hiring a coach before we're hiring a GM. You know, and so any GM that we interview, whether it's an internal candidate or an external candidate, we're going to be telling them like, oh yeah, we want you to come here and be our GM, but we've already picked your coach for you. So you better like that because Gerard Mayo is obviously Robert Kraft's favorite son and he wanted him to have that job. So he gave it to him. So now you're going to have this power struggle if you're the GM for the next however many years that Gerard Mayo is the coach where... Robert Kraft put this guy in power and that's Robert Kraft's guy. And like, are you Robert Kraft's guy? I don't know. And really the fact that they promoted Mayo leads me to believe that they're going to promote somebody internally to be the GM. And I just don't think the guy who's going to change the culture and lead this organization into the future is in house right now, or else it would have been happening thing. Like things would be different if we had better people in house. So what I would have loved to see is like go out, get someone like Adam Peters, the assistant general manager of the 49ers who signed with the Washington Commanders today, or someone like the Ravens head of player development, like go get someone with good experience who's helped build a good team and a great roster. Let them take the next step in your organization and start changing the culture of this organization because I hate to tell you guys this, but without Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, the Patriot way flat out does not work. It does not work without both those guys. We saw it after Tom Brady left and Bill stayed. We've seen it for the last couple of years. It's not going to work now. This is not a Robert Kraft thing. That was a very specific set of circumstances that was generated by having the greatest quarterback of all time and the greatest coach of all time at the same time and having them be like locked in lockstep. You're not going to recreate that. So if you want to turn the page from Bill Belichick, turn the fucking page. Don't do diet Bill Belichick like so many teams before us have done. 
the reason I say I'm cautiously pessimistic instead of just being super pessimistic on this is that like, I do like Gerard Mayo, you know, the inexperience doesn't bother me. We've seen numerous coordinators who have never been head coach before go on and be successful. The last couple of years, we've seen guys like Sean McVay and like Zach Taylor and guys who are like offensive assistants or like position coaches, like quarterback coaches go on to be super successful. I, I don't worry about that portion of it. You know, this is a meritocracy in America. So like if he's the best candidate you have internally and that's what you want to do, then, you know, that is what it is. Obviously, I don't like the internal hire, but like it's not because of experience. The other thing I like so far is that the players have reacted very positively to this change. Like he's a player's coach. I think that a lot of guys in that locker room are going to be able to relate to a dude who's 37 years old and has played extremely recently uh, a lot more than they're going to be able to relate to a 72-year-old kind of crotchety guy in Bill Belichick. So I like that. I like that the players like it. It kind of reminds me of what the Celtics did a couple of years ago where Brad Stevens moved up to the front office and they brought in Ime Odoka, who was a guy that the players wanted. You know, that, and they went to the finals that year. You know, obviously this team's not going to the finals because they don't have players on this team that are as good as Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are on the Celtics. But that's I digress. But still, my concern is like now you got to bring in a GM. And like I said, this GM has to come in and make a decision that's going to be the most important position. It's going to be the most important decision we've made in 30 plus years at who gets picked at number three or what you do with this pick. Do you trade up? Do you trade down? Do you draft somebody? Who do you want? You know, I, I think a lot of people are just saying like, oh man, Caleb Williams, Drake May and Jaden Daniels. We just take whoever's left. And I understand the thinking there, but if, if you think one of those guys is the guy you need to do everything in your power to get that guy. You don't just sit and wait and be like, oh yeah, we'll be okay with any of them. You find out which one you want and you get them. Whether that means trading up to one, trading up to two, or sitting at three. Like If you think Jaden Daniels is the guy, which by the time we get to draft season, a lot of teams are going to because he's going to ball out at the combine and people's eyes are going to pop and be like, wow, that's taller than Lamar Jackson. I want him. He could easily be first overall. But like you got to find out who your guy is, who you think is the guy, and you got to get that guy. And I don't know if any GM worth their salt or any GM candidate worth their salt is going to come into a position where one, I don't get to pick my own head coach because my job is tied to that guy. If Gerard Mayo doesn't do a good job, I'm at risk of losing my job now as the GM as well. So I don't like that. And then I also don't want an owner who's sticking his nose in my business all the time. You know, Robert Kraft has been a great owner for a long time, but you know what the thing about great owners is in professional sports is that they mind their own fucking business and let the GM run the team. No owner who is super involved in the team has ever been successful. It doesn't work because these guys are billionaires and they made their billions working in another industry. These guys make billions in tech or oil or whatever. And then they buy a sports team because it's like a super cool thing to have because there's only like a hundred of them, right? Like between basketball, football, and whatever. But in football, there's only 30 of them. And that's like the thing to have. And for Kraft, for a long time, being the best owner and like the best football team and just dominating everybody else. And you just get to like let it all hang out and you're hanging out with your billionaire buddies. And like, this is the thing about the billionaires. It's like, 
they're all friends. You know, Kraft can buy a jet and all of his friends can buy the same jet. Kraft can buy a boat and all his friends can buy a boat. You know what Robert Kraft's friends can't buy? Is not only an NFL team, but the best dynasty ever. Like, that's just the thing is like, oh, you're Robert Kraft. You own like this awesome thing that no one else can own. Like not everybody can buy a football team. And even if they do, not everybody can buy the six-time Super Bowl New England Patriots. And so what happens when all of a sudden you're a laughing stock because your team sucks? You start sticking your nose in everything. And that's the other report that came out today is that like Bill Belichick was getting frustrated because the worse the team was getting, the more power he was losing in the organization and Kraft was starting to meddle in affairs. And like, but Robert Kraft doesn't know what he's doing. Robert Kraft is not a sports billionaire. And while he's been a great owner for a long time, he's been a great, like I said, he's been a great owner because he left Bill alone and let Bill run the team and just kind of enjoyed the proceeds. So if I'm a GM, it's not a super attractive position right now. You know, uh, you also have to replace Bill Belichick and whatever you do is going to be under a microscope in Boston, which is already like a super hard place to be a GM, a coach or a player. So combination of factors that aren't great, which kind of leads me to believe that they're going to promote somebody internally. Uh, and I don't know that I trust anybody in this organization to make this pick. I especially don't trust Robert Kraft to make this pick. And I feel like he's going to be sticking his nose in it a lot. So overall, I'm saying cautiously pessimistic. I'm not super happy about the hire, but there are some factors I think that uh, make Gerard Mayo enticing. Obviously, I'm going to be rooting for him. The Patriots are my favorite football team. I've been a Patriots fan since, like I said, I was 10 or 11 years old. I'm pulling for him. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit more about Bill because I feel like what I've done so far in this podcast is I just kind of came on and trashed everybody from Kraft to Bill to Mayo to everybody else who's in the organization. I think ultimately the story with Bill Belichick here is going to be that GM Bill got coach Bill fired. Uh, I think the league is past Bill by in a lot of ways, like I said, but I think he could still be a really good coach. I just think at 72 years old, stretching yourself between being the head coach and being the GM of this organization, you know, and having to develop a new quarterback and bring in a new offensive system and like try to figure all this stuff out. It's just too much. But I really do think that if Bill lands somewhere where he can just focus on being the coach, work with the GM he trusts, owner stays out of everything that he can still do a really great job. Like, I, I think that he is still a valuable commodity in this league. I just think you couldn't just make him the coach in new England since he's been the coach in the GM for so long. Like if you take away his GM powers and you bring somebody else in to be the GM, that's a super messy situation. Like think of whatever you do for work. Think of if your boss came to you and was like, ah, yeah, we're going to demote you, but we want you to stick around like how you would, feel about that. So uh, he he had to go, but I think that if he goes and takes just like a head coaching job somewhere else, that he's going to be super successful. Uh, Atlanta is very intriguing with the good pieces they have on defense and all of these uh, early picks they've spent on offense. Like, But ironically, that's a situation where he would need a quarterback and he hasn't been able to get a quarterback since he's needed one. So that's kind of a mess. Uh, I think the dream scenario for a lot of uh, Patriot fans, even if they won't admit this is like Bill Belichick goes to Atlanta. We need a quarterback. We can't find one. Who's the quarterback. And 
out of retirement comes Tom freaking Brady to be Bill Belichick's quarterback again. Uh, it's a dream scenario. It's never going to happen because Tom Brady is a part owner of an NFL team. So there's uh, some things there. There's some rules against that. But like that's come on. Who wouldn't have fun? with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in Atlanta and you got Drake London and Bajan and all these guys like that's I think that's something that we could all enjoy because uh, if you're still listening to this podcast you're probably a Patriots fan really the problem I've had over the last couple of years with the Patriots not being good is that people are now going to use the post Tom Brady era in New England to attack Bill Belichick's legacy like I get it Bill Belichick career is 83 and 104 without Tom Brady. They're 29 and 39 since Tom Brady left to Tampa. But him losing without Tom, I think just proves two things to me. One is that it proves my point about GM Bill. They have not successfully drafted and developed guys for nine plus years. You know, and look at like how someone like Mac Jones has fallen off since his rookie season, like how great he was when he first came in. And we were all like, oh, wow, like maybe he is the guy moving forward and how bad he's become, like to the point where he might not even be an NFL quarterback anymore. So they draft this guy, they put him through all this crap. It kind of ruins him. But I think the bigger point that it proves that Bill wasn't able to win without Tom Brady is that nobody can win without a quarterback. You know, show me a great coach. And I'll show you a great quarterback like or co- coaches who have built their legacies. They build them with great quarterbacks. I mean, I think most people would say like the best coaches in the league right now are like Harbaugh, who has Lamar Jackson or like Andy Reid, who's got Patrick Mahomes. You know, even you think about someone like Mike Tomlin, who everybody's like, oh, man, Mike Tomlin's so great. Hasn't won anything without Ben Roethlisberger. You know, Dungey never won anything without Peyton Manning. So you just you don't win in the NFL without a great quarterback. Like you have to have a top five to seven guy to win a Super Bowl, pretty much. I know there's examples. You go like, oh, Adam, the 2001 Ravens had Trent Dilfer. Cool. I know there's the Broncos team that won with the ghost of Peyton Manning. There's other teams that have won based on defense, like the Giants twice. Throw you guys a freaking bone. But in order to have like consistent success at the level the Patriots did and at the level that successful franchises like the Chiefs have had, like the Eagles have had a resurgence lately, you have to have the quarterback. Which like goes back to the point that this offseason and this number three pick are so critical because you got to hit this because without a good quarterback, you ain't doing shit. And yes, Bill Belichick has not been able to win without Tom Brady and Bill Belichick's legacy was built on having the greatest quarterback and the greatest professional athlete of all time in Tom Brady with him along the way. But I've always said that the reason the Patriots dynasty made it to nine Super Bowls and won six is because you have the greatest quarterback and you have the greatest coach. Like we've seen great coaches maybe win one, maybe win two. We've seen the GOAT quarterbacks like Joe Montana win four, Peyton Manning won two, Drew Brees got one. You never see someone have this level of success. And the only reason this team was able to be as successful as it was for so long is because both of these guys are the best at what they did. Nothing that has happened for Tom Brady or Bill Belichick apart from each other is ever going to make me feel differently about that. 
You know, I'm not going to look at these last three years and be like, well, that proves that Bill's not the greatest coach of all time. It's just not going to happen. But the other super interesting piece of this to me is that when we talk about the Patriots dynasty, we always talk about Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And rightfully so, because they are the goats. But I bet you that if you talk to Robert Kraft and you got him in a really honest moment, he would tell you that he believes that he's the greatest owner of all time and that he is at least as responsible for the Patriots dynasty as Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are. Like, I think he looks at this and goes, I brought Bill in and he brought Tom in. Like, I built this. This is my team. I own it. I am the greatest. And the interesting thing now is like, this is kind of Robert Kraft's time to prove his legacy. And when you're the owner of the team, you're in a unique position when you're thinking about legacy because like Tom Brady can leave and prove it somewhere else, right? Like he wins six Super Bowls with the Pats. They have this kind of messy breakup. Bill Belichick doesn't think he can play anymore, whatever. He's like, I'll prove it. I'll leave and I'll go win a Super Bowl somewhere else. And so the knock on Tom Brady always being like, oh, well, he needed Bill to do it. He goes somewhere else and proves he didn't need Bill to do it. He can win a Super Bowl on his own. Could he win six Super Bowls without Bill? No, but he can go win another one. Now Bill has the chance to kind of go out and prove that he can do it without Brady. And we'll see how it goes. But like if he goes to LA and gets Justin Herbert and builds a defense and like they win a Super Bowl next year, then like Bill can prove his legacy and be like, ah, see, I could do it without Brady too. Robert Kraft can't leave. You can't just go buy another team and have that team win a Super Bowl and be like, see, I'm the greatest owner of all time. Anywhere I go, the team wins a Super Bowl. He's stuck here. And the only way that he can prove that he's, quote unquote, the greatest owner of all time, like I think he believes he is, is to rebuild this team. Uh, And he has now hitched his wagon to Gerard Mayo to do so. And time will tell if that's the right decision. But the only thing that he can really do to prove that he's great as well is nail this offseason and nail this GM hire. And I really honestly, I thought what they should have done is like go out, find your GM because that's your guy. That's the leader of your organization and let them make the hire. You know, and I know they promised this thing to Gerard Mayo. I I don't know if that was even worth it to get. They did it to get him to come back when he could have been a head coach somewhere else. I don't think he was getting a head coaching job somewhere else last offseason. I don't think you had to promise him he would be the successor. And I think a lot of people look at that and they say like, oh, well, look, they promised him he'd be the successor. They obviously believe in him. But also at some point it was in Josh McDaniels contract apparently too. And we know how Josh McDaniels is as a head coach. So uh, I wouldn't say that just because he was like the handpicked successor that that really means anything to me. You know, he's got to go out and prove it as well. So very interested to see who Robert Kraft chooses as the GM. Uh, if we get a big time candidate from somewhere else, I will be stunned, but I'll be very excited. If we promote internally, I'm going to be extremely fearful for what that means for this offseason and the future of the New England Patriots. Uh, last couple of thoughts before I sign off here. I think Atlanta is probably the most fun spot for Bill. You know, I mentioned them earlier. They got Jesse Bates and a couple other cool pieces on defense. Uh, offensively, they've been spending high picks on offensive players for a long time. You know, you go there, you instantly get London and Pitts and Bajan and a really good offensive line. But like I said, ironically, they need a quarterback. So if he could like go there and get like Kirk Cousins, 
for a season or two. You know, it'll be really interesting to see what kind of power he has wherever he lands. Uh, he's going to want to go somewhere where he can win instantly. At least Atlanta's in a really shitty division. Uh, you know, if you go to like the LA Chargers and take that job, all of a sudden you're taking over uh, and you have to go against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes every year. So that's not fun. Uh, there's also rumors that Bill's next team is currently in the playoffs. You know, it's super wild card weekend this weekend. Maybe if uh, Dallas loses to Green Bay, that could be a spot. Maybe if Philly loses to Tampa Bay, that could be a spot. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, but like I said, I do think he's a hot commodity. I think he still has value as a head coach. I would not make him my GM at this point. I would give him input on personnel decisions, but I'm having somebody else be the final call. Uh, like I said, we had that three pick this year. I don't trust Bill Belichick to make that pick. I think that says everything I need to say about that. Thought number two, uh, probably going to root for Bill more wherever he goes than I rooted for Tom Brady. Uh, when Tom Brady left, it was kind of, it was this weird thing where it's like, yeah, we love you. Thank you for everything. But also, fuck you. Kind of like part of me wanted to go see him be successful somewhere else. But part of me also kind of just wanted to keep the narrative going that he needed Bill and that he needed the New England Patriots to be successful. It was a bit petty, but like, you know, I bought a Buccaneer shirt when he went to the Bucks, but I just could never wear it. I was like, ah, I don't know. I just I never felt right putting it on because I am a Patriots fan, like just period. I'm just a Patriots fan, right? I'm not a Tom Brady. I love Tom Brady. I'm not a Tom Brady fan. I'm not rooting for him wherever he goes. I'm not a Bill fan, but I'll pull for him wherever he goes. But like, I'm not going to go out and buy like a Falcons shirt, especially because I'm so mad at the Falcons right now. But I'll probably root for him a little bit more than Brady because like, I felt like this was the right move at the right time. And it's not like a, oh, I, you know, kind of screw you. It's like a, you know, thank you for everything. Hope you go have success somewhere else, but I'm going to watch my team. Uh, this is like the point in the year, the wild card, when the Patriots aren't in the playoffs. Everybody's like, oh, who are you rooting for since the Pats are out? And I, I look back at them. I'm like, I, I don't really understand the question. I'm not rooting for anybody. These, none of these are my team. I'm moving on to Bruins and I'm analyzing stuff for the podcast, but I'm not like a Lions fan all of a sudden. Uh, but good luck to Bill. And then just thank you to Bill for everything. Um, even though I feel like this is the right move, I'm super grateful for everything he did. I don't think my life as a sports fan would be the same without him. Uh, like I said, he's the only coach I've ever known for my professional football team. So we're going into uncharted waters here. Uh, and I, I don't feel sad that he's leaving. I just feel nostalgic for the old times. You know, I, I miss being the team to beat. And like, instead of going into wildcard weekend and being like, oh, I'm going to watch all these games and analyze it. Uh, I would always have my fan hat on for wild card weekend and be like, okay, who do I want to play? Cause like, we'd always have a buy, right? We never played wild card weekend. And I'd be looking at like, who do I want to play? What's next? Who am I root? Like, who am I rooting for to win so that I can watch them play the Patriots kind of thing? Who do I think we match up with best? Uh, and I miss that. You know, I think anybody who's a sports fan knows it's hard to go from being a perennial playoff team and contender to uh, watching your team suck, man. Like the season sucked not just because we were bad, but because I was so apathetic about it and eventually got to the point where my I was rooting for them to lose to get a better pick. And I hate being in that position. I've been there as a Kings fan a lot, and it always made me miserable. 
So I'm looking forward to the Patriots turning this around and I'm hoping this off season with the third pick and all this money we have to spend is going to be the basis for something moving forward. But you know, Brady's gone. Belichick's gone. The only person left from the dynasty is Robert Kraft. And it's on him to bring a contender back to new England. Like I said, multiple times, this is the most important off season in the history of the new England Patriots. And he needs to bring in a GM or promote somebody who's going to nail it. Uh, and I, I hope he does. Obviously I'm rooting for Mayo. It encourages me that the players like him. I like him. I like Mayo. You know, I hope he does well. Uh, my dream off season is bring in Keenan McCardell, who's the wide receiver coach for the Vikings to be our offensive coordinator. I just think like the history of Vikings wide receivers is absolutely incredible. And he's been a large part of these guys developing. So I would love to bring him in. They interviewed him last year and ended up going with BOB. I would love to get a lot of these like Belichick guys out, like no more BOB. Bill can take his kids with him, honestly, and just kind of turn the page, even if we're trying to do a diet version of things. So then you have like Mayo, you have a defensive coordinator, you have Keenan McCardell, you bring in a GM. Like I would love to get the Ravens head of player development, Joe Horowitz. Uh, obviously, guys are already going off the market. We saw Adam Peters, who was a hot candidate, the assistant GM for the 49ers, signed with the commanders today. So uh, I'm nervous we're not going to bring in anybody from the outside, but my hope is we bring in somebody good. And then we have a lot of money in free agency. We need some help on the outside for whoever we draft at quarterback. Uh, so like T Higgins is out there, maybe Michael Pittman, like there might be some guys we could get involved with to bring in some help because we definitely need weapons for whoever this rookie is. Uh, and to be honest with you guys right now, January 12th, there's a part of me that's leading towards Jaden Daniels. <laughs> I don't know why it, like I said on the podcast last week, it was a two quarterback draft with Caleb Williams and Drake May, and then there was a drop-off. And all of a sudden, Jaden Daniels has come on like a freight train for really no reason. But I think there will be talk about him being the first overall pick uh, once we get to the combine and people see him run like a 4-3-40, and it's kind of crazy. So I'd be good with any of those three guys. Obviously, Caleb Williams has kind of been my boy for a couple of years now. Uh, I've been really high on him since he was a freshman at Oklahoma. So uh, I'm not going to be mad if we come away with any of those three guys might not even be mad if we come away with Marvin Harrison Jr., but I think it's kind of quarterback at bust at this point. So let's get our quarterback. Let's get him some help. We got lots of money in free agency. We got a high pick in the second round. And overall, let's fucking go. Let's bring this team back to being a winner. Come on. we I'm sick of four and 13 seasons and rooting against my own damn team. Let's be fun next season. Let's win some games. Gerard, I'm, I'm rooting for you, man. I really hope that you do a great job. Uh, and prove my pessimism wrong. But for now, that is it for me. As always, you can find Fouled Out Sports on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, anywhere you get your podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter. Eh, don't hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Gmail, fouledoutsports at gmail.com. And you can find our videos on TikTok, Fouled Out Sports Podcast. It's a long name, but you can't miss it. Like I said, this podcast is coming out around noon on Saturday, the first day of NFL Super Money Grab Wildcard Weekend. Enjoy the games. If you want to go back and listen to our picks and our gambling advice for the weekend, go back and check out Thursday's podcast. Super fun one to do with Matt. We also talked about how he feels about the Lions uh, with Matt Stafford coming back into town and the stupid jersey band that bars have going on. Like It's getting a little silly around here, but 
Uh, enjoy the football. And Matt and I will be back on Wednesday to break down the divisional round for you guys. Uh, all four games there. will pick winners, give gambling advice, do the whole thing. So uh, have fun, guys. Stay safe. I will see you soon. Bye, guys. Bye, Mom. Bye.